subsequently. So I went to SOAT London and I studied uh, history there, which a lot of people raised their words. I'm like, we studied history and did absolutely nothing with it. But yeah, I went at what, at the age of 18. I did my undergrad uh, there. I think it was perhaps one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, today, even if I can think back and, you know, I never want to ever live in the past. But yeah. if I ever have to rewind the clock and say that this is one period that I want to at least go back and, and see and experience, it would perhaps be my years at, at the last. And predominantly because of, of, of how impressionable I was at that mm-hmm. age and in what incredible ways that experience of living abroad, living alone, shaped me as a person and that the biggest the biggest takeaway in learning at university was probably to unlearn and get me to to you know it opened up my mind what you mean when you say unlearn what do you mean what i mean is when you are in an environment with people from so many diverse cultures so many different languages, such different backgrounds. There is so much to learn and unlearn in your own mind. Yeah. That uh, I think I think it was truly one of those experiences that even I'm already a liberal. I'm I'm very liberal at heart. That that just opened up and broadened my horizons in so many different ways. That it it, it was perhaps one of the most beautiful experiences of my life, and it it's played a huge role in making me. Uh, who I am, the way I think, and even much of the work that I have done from the time that I have graduated uh, has really been influenced by the people, the cultures, the the experiences that I had at university. And uh, yeah, that was, that's I, I can only sum it up as one of the most beautiful phases of my life. So then you moved back to India and you authored my classic closet which is a study on stereotype and identity. So at such a young age, what was going on that at that point in time made you explore this theme? You know, my book actually came out before even the Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And uh, it was just my quest that they do to, you know, question everything around me. And I remember this was around the period when France had brand the hijab. Uh, there was a lot of conversation on, you know, identity and how identities are constructed and deconstructed. Mm-hmm. And where does that lead to? Is this that stereotype? Are there crimes that are led because of stereotype? I'm somebody who who's very, very rooted on equality and social justice. Some, it's something that I'm yeah. uh, passionate about. I talk, I speak very vocally. Um, about and uh, I think there was so much happening around in my own uh, you know environment of where we lived in India or such a multicultural society um, I thought it was very relevant to talk about it at that time and uh, 
I said, you know, how do we make this easily understandable for people uh, to understand and to learn more from and to question the same same thing? You know, something as simple as why does somebody need to be robed in saffron to be a godman? Is he yeah. more godly than you and I together? Uh, so these were questions that I really grappled with at that age. And I was young, yeah, right? And I was almost, almost 10 years younger, right? <laughs> you were already questioning the we versus them narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, how are people, why, why is there racial profiling? How are people profiled? Um, is is there is the, is that is there a certain sense of you know discrimination that 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 is involved when you're stereotyping people like that? So those were questions when I grappled with them. I said you know they deserve to be to be to have a book on. And uh, luck had it in my favor. I reached out to about twelve or fifteen uh, people from different walks of life, very famous people from different walks mm-hmm. of life. And I interviewed them and I compiled that into a book and they were all exclusive wow. interviews with them. Ranging from Sri Sri Ravi Shankar to Anita Dongre to Shashank Khetan, the film director. We had an amazing lineup of people and then I, just, I sold that to Jagannath. Okay. Yeah. So where is where can we get it now? If you want to read it? On Jagannath? Jagannath. Uh, you can visit Jagannath's website and, okay. and order a copy for yourself. I am going to do that. And uh, you said you met a lot of Famous people while writing this book. Can you tell us a few of, of uh, the stories that really impacted you? Ah, the one that I have spoken a lot about is actually Anita Dongre, where I got, you know, one of my main first inspirations to start my my business. I mean, all of them were deeply, deeply inspirational. And, you know, when you meet different people, what that book, the journey of writing that book gave me was insight insight into what makes uh, people successful, how are people motivated, what passion, how they, how they stay motivated uh, in their journey, what drives people. But coming to one of the first ones that I want to talk about is um, actually Anita Dongre's journey. Uh, she had invited me to Rabale, her headquarters in Rabale in Mumbai, Nabi Mumbai. And it was this beautiful, and it is this beautiful factory space, office working space, right in the heart of uh, nature. And, you know, she truly walks the talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, natural sunlight, absolutely beautiful. And uh, I was interviewing her, must have been 2015, 2016. And uh, she spoke a lot about sustainability. And she's one of the first designers from India who, you know, has been very vocal about it and has integrated it into her business model. Yeah. Um, so that was a very, very inspirational uh, meeting with her. And I was opportunity to meet her many times after and have her at Conscious Effort as well, which is a platform that I host. Apart from that, even uh, I would say Shashank Ketan. Okay. Uh, he was the director of very few, they're very famous, not few, very famous Bollywood movies. Yeah. And um, that was also a very inspirational journey of what he was able to, you know, overcome and reach where he where he has today, which is to dream to achieve. So, so I, it was a good journey. So you met Anita Dongre and her efforts inspired you to work in sustainability. Yes. And particularly sustainable fashion. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, keeping in mind that we're talking about 2015, 2016, where sustainable fashion wasn't mainstream. Yeah. Probably people in India hadn't even heard of the word. Yeah. Now, especially post-COVID, people have become very aware. That makes you start conscious effort. When you're starting in essentially something that people don't even understand Mm -hmm. what you're trying, what your aim is, or why you're doing it. What were some of the roadblocks you faced back then? Roadblock? My God, I think... When you run a business every day, there's a new roadblock or a challenge to overcome. And I thrive in that environment. So coming back to the first part of your question, um, I could see a movement globally around sustainability. So yes, um, of course, visiting Anita's headquarters and understanding a story was, was very inspirational. But in general, overall, I could see the world moving towards, you know, better trade practices, towards mm. uh, looking at, look at, just look at the air that we breathe. Like, why are yeah. we not even, even, even questioning anything else? It's inevitable that if we don't stop, it is only us who, who can make this change to stop what's happening currently, whether it's the environment, whether it's social impact, when people are living, breathing, eating. It is us who need to make a difference. So very early on, I knew impact is something that has to be deeply central to any of my initiatives, whether I worked in fashion or pharmaceuticals. The me impact is is very central to who I am and how I operate in my daily life and all the choices that I I make. So coming back to, to, you know, that part of your question, I could see uh, the world in general moving towards the sustainability uh, I saw an opportunity and a market gap there. We realized that, that you know, I realized India is such a large market. We are predominantly creating for the for the West. Most of your top fashion brands, I don't know if you're aware, are manufactured in the East, in India, yeah, Pakistan, yeah. Bangladesh, China. Uh, Vietnam. Vietnam as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I understood very early on that, that there will be brands and this is something that we have to inherently move towards. And uh, researched a lot. We did find a lot of brands uh, who were anyway working with boutique stores abroad, welcome client, and working with boutique stores abroad. So retail is where we started bringing certified conscious brands under one platform and building a marketplace uh, model around it. Roadblocks, one of the biggest roadblocks for me was uh, education. And that's where conscious effort was actually born. For me, obstacle doesn't mean uh, something we're afraid of. It means that's something that we need to overcome. Conscious effort was born and the mission was to educate, engage and empower people about sustainability in the fashion and lifestyle industry. That's the advocacy portal. We decided that we're going to bring the people who are making the difference and people who want to make a difference under one group to have a target audience, to have education, to learn more about the subject, and to match make with the right people who are interested in their product. So so that's where Conscious Effort was actually born, and it's been six years this year that we've completed. Before I do a deep dive into uh, more of your three distinct verticals, I have an observation. I want to say it out loud, that I feel you're Truly a thought leader who's been ahead of the curve. You were questioning the we versus them narrative way before 2018. And also you were questioning sustainability 
and you were advocating that way before it became mainstream. So I, that's an observation I had and I wanted to share it with you and everybody tuning in. Very kind of <laughs> No, I truly mean it and it's the truth. So talking about Sarah, the first vertical you have is the retail yes. uh, vertical, which is, again, India's first multi-designer boutique, which only has ethical brands. How did you start and what was the gap that you saw in the market? You know, I think my three verticals have been an answer to problem solving and the obstacles, like you mentioned in the previous question, uh, perpetually. It's always it's always about pivoting and finding solutions to the problem. I feel like sustainability as a subject, sustainability as a cause, uh, driving impact is something that is my commitment. Everything else is about reaching and fulfilling that commitment on a day-to-day basis. So my first vertical is a marketplace retail, uh, which is where I started from bringing together uh, brands that are certified sustainable brands across fashion and lifestyle. Um, We went online. We're a complete marketplace now. Uh, When we started, I realized very early on that advocacy, like I said, was a very big market gap again. The brands Mm -hmm. were there, but they were, you know, they were priced at a premium when, when, because they're sustainable products, they're obviously, uh, the cost of production is slightly higher. And, uh, you know, when you put the sustainability tag and when we were putting in literally in 2017, 2018, there were a lot of, there was a lot of curiosity around the subject and people said oh why is it so expensive or what is it made of and how can it be made of like yeah. you know a vegan leather which is plastic free or uh you know what type of organic text what is organic textile so you know to to we realized the market gap again over there for the marketplace in itself to work yeah was more education yeah. And that's where consciousness thought as a second vertical. Which is your second vertical. Which is my second vertical, which came in. Uh, that was a platform, you know, we do an annual event. Uh, well, the Conclave, a design show and a clean tech challenge. That did significantly very, very well for us in, in you know, fulfilling our mission to educate, engage and empower people about sustainability and, you know, fashion in the fashion and lifestyle industry. Because we ran the Clean Tech Challenge and the Clean Tech Challenge was what was that? The Clean Tech Challenge is a part of consciousness okay. where we facilitate innovators who have patented solutions uh, for climate action. Okay. Yeah, lovely. And that's when a lot of companies and corporates started coming to us and saying, hey, yeah. we, we, we would like to know how we can, you know, integrate these uh, solutions within our uh, product or within our company and you know can you help us decarbonize can you help us reach our climate goals that's how my third vertical which is consultancy was was born yeah we are fully op- operational across all three verticals so retail advocacy and consult yes when you say consulting brands what does that actually cover in terms of your scope of work as a consultant you know, every brand and every product is different. Mm. Every company is at a different scale with what they want to achieve with sustainability. Mm. Um, 
what's your solution for sustainable will be different for somebody else. If you're somewhere, if you're close to an area where cotton is easily accessible to you, very simple example that I've given you, it might be a better solution for you. But for somebody else who has uh, recycled nylon more easily accessible near them and they don't need to bring it from a bring cotton from, you know, uh, across the world, uh, that's a more sustainable solution for them. So in very simple words, we consult on products, on innovations, on matchmaking, on setting the targets and meeting the targets uh, when it comes to your product or your company. I want to talk to you about a specific project that you've recently completed, which was with Mahindra and Mahindra. Tell us about that. It was an incredible project. I mean, it was my first time working in, with an automotive company and mm-hmm. um, we're very incredibly proud to be working with an Indian, having the opportunity to work with an Indian OEM, that too. And they're perhaps one of the first Indian OEMs that was, you know, uh, working to look for better climate positive solutions for materials and vehicle for their vehicle interior. So we consulted them on uh, you know, material solutions for vehicle interiors. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. You started your business at a very young age. Yeah. So again, um, I'm asking you to reflect back a little mm-hmm. bit. What were some of the challenges you faced along? Probably then when you were starting young and then now that you look back, the challenges you're facing now. I think challenges are there every day. And if you're an entrepreneur, you have to love the challenge. <laughs> I thrive oh. in an environment of problem solving in, you know, you're working against the tide and, and you know, rising above your mm-hmm. problems. That, that's the only way you will survive uh, and try. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, early on, I think I was, because I was very young, I, I don't have too many challenges per se that I, I really struggle with. But I think I was very, very young and credibility is something that was very difficult to, to uh, you know, portray. You know, when you're young, you're 22, 23, you are starting a business and you're saying, hey, I want to build a sustainability platform when most people around you don't even know what sustainability means. Yeah. Uh, was was something that sounded absurd to many people. They were not taking you seriously. They were not taking you seriously and rightfully so. I don't, yeah. I don't you know, question them. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I understand where that comes from because, yeah. you know, I was just fresh out of college, this young, fully energetic, passionate person saying, I want to do this and I will do this. And I had the conviction and the commitment to, to you know, uh, do it. So my first obstacle was really credibility. I think other than that, I, I don't think I've really, I've, I've, I would say I'm very blessed. I've not faced too many uh, hurdles. And even if I have, I think I've just taken them in my stride. So now, today, yeah, the scale uh, you are at, yeah. running this full-fledged business okay. uh, with three verticals, mm-hmm. what do you feel are the challenges you're facing today? I think it would definitely be funding, but that's something that I think across the board, uh, a lot of founders, especially young founders who start something very young and, you know, get into it. Funding is is a general industry uh, issue. And a lot of people tell me that, you know, it could be because you're a single female founder. Oh, but I don't. You get that a lot. Do you? I don't get that a lot, but uh, 
I think in the ecosystem, I've realized that when you're two or more, uh, it's a more of a shared responsibility with with the um, any it, with with another person, and that okay. reduces your risk. You know, it reduces the risk for an investor because there's as much as one person can really do. The general consensus, <laughs> whether I agree with it or not, is a separate subject. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think today uh, we. Well, that probably be one of my only only uh, uh, areas that you know we truly struggle with in explaining people that it is okay to be one founder. You don't. Uh, I I learned something new in the startup ecosystem, which actually I must tell you, I was recommended once to get another founder on board. And you know, okay. I I first thought I said, did I hear that right? You know, I asked the person again. I said, oh, uh, what do you mean by another founder? Because there's technically, if you go to the English dictionary, there's only one. Founder, you can get a CEO, you can get a CEO, you can get an investor, you can get a partner, but there is only one founder, you know. So it's so deeply ingrained in the system a little bit that that I feel like that's a struggle that I speak to other entrepreneurs, especially like female female founded businesses. Okay, and I see that being a general consensus that that's the struggle for most people. A lot of young listeners. Are have to I'm sure have tuned in and listening to your inspiring journey, and they probably want to start a business in a field that may not necessarily be mainstream mm-hmm. as we speak. What would your advice be to them? Commitment and consistency. I think when you are committed to your goal, it does not mean that you need to be rigid in the way you are going to uh, reach your. I think yeah. commitment uh, with flexibility is what's going to take you there. Flexibility in pivoting. Pivoting in a way that will still take you to the same end result, but you need to be open. You need to listen to your failures, to your challenges, with a very open mind and with the idea to learn and overcome. I think that's the only advice if uh, if I had to even give to my youngest then would be this and this is something that I perpetually and consistently live by that you know commitment and consistency is the only thing that you have in your own hand yeah. to just show up every single day you know with laser sharp focus that this is what I'm committed to these are this is these these are the variables that I have in my hand this is what I can work with yeah. I work with that with honesty with uh perseverance with honesty authentically and keep moving forward and you will reach your goal. And the goalpost keeps changing by the way, okay? So you will never feel as successful, you know. Sometimes the goalpost is for me to just start a business. Start a business, it's to, you know, raise a certain amount of revenue. You cross that revenue. Because you always want to grow. If you're an ambitious person and you're a passionate person, you always want to grow. Absolutely. So it's also important to enjoy the journey along the way. Yeah. You know, while you're building, you are also, it, it's important to continue enjoying that journey and staying. The one thing that's kept me through everything, you know, we've had all sorts of problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the pandemic, being in a retail business or, uh, you know, running events. Every day is like so many different things that come up. But the only thing that I think can keep a person going is uh, their passion for what they do. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, you just hold on to. And also, I feel don't forget to celebrate the victories. For sure. At each goalpost. For sure. Absolutely. Like be your own cheer. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so well put. Yeah. 
Sachi, people, I feel genuinely want to live a more sustainable life, but it's also probably very overwhelming. And of course, uh, let's be realistic, we cannot be 100% sustainable. What would you tell people? Like, what are the little things that you do or somebody can incorporate in their dating lives to, to make a difference? I always put it in one line. Do the best you can and when you know better, do better. I don't think, as you rightly pointed out, you nobody can be um, 100% sustainable, carbon neutral, live a life without making any kind of environmental impact. But we can make better choices, Pati. Yeah. And uh, better choices are only about how committed you are uh, to it. And you do it for yourself. You know, a lot of people ask me, why do people, why would somebody want to do it for the environment? What benefit do they get out of it? Yeah. And I have, let me remind you, the benefit is directly proportional to your health and to your well-being. Absolutely. To, to, to how your children are going to grow up in this yeah. world. You are not doing this only for the environment or for any kind of social justice and impact. I think if you start with even the most selfish reason to do it for yourself and your loved ones, that's a good enough place to begin with. Uh, and, you know, th there are no extravagant things that you need to go and do. Consume less, consume better. Uh, question yourself when you're consuming something and ask yourself, how is it? do you really need it? You know, there's just simple things that you can do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, turning up the light, using a, you know, a water bottle instead of a plastic bottle. I mean, that yeah. adds up, you know, it it, 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 uh, it compounds. And once it compounds, it, it's a, it starts with a very small conscious effort, but it becomes a very large conscious effort. Imagine if everybody is doing one thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just yeah. that one thing that you become committed to. Oh. Yeah. Sachi, I know you're a very busy <laughs> lady. <laughs> you wear so many hats all at once. Yeah. So... How does Sachi unwind? Uh, well, Sachi unwinds only on the tennis court. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't find me at work, you find me on, on, on okay. a tennis court. Yeah. And that's my passion, my first love. Yeah. Uh, you don't yeah. know I wanted to be a tennis player when I was Oh, yes. But I was nowhere good. Neither am I good right now. I was nowhere close to it. But I was always very, very passionate about tennis. It's a sport I, I love. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I continue to play it and I hope I, I, I can, can continue to play recreational sport for a long, long, long time ahead. <laughs> yeah, like I can vouch for that because about an hour ago offline you told me that even yesterday at 2 p.m. <laughs> at 40 degrees Celsius, you were on the court. <laughs> That's endurance training. <laughs> I call it, it's, it's good for my business. I know how to stay uncomfortable for a longer period of time. I love that. Enough shop talks. We want to know Sachi a bit better. Sure. And because we live in the world of Instagram, the next segment is called Roast the Pot. Okay. <laughs> So the first photo I have for you. Oh God! Okay. Is this? Oh my God! This is um, this is one of my closest friends, Sagrika Jain. Okay, I travel a lot with. She's actually a college, been a really close friend since college. That was her birthday in Goa this year. <laughs> okay, lovely. Okay, the second one I just had to ask 
you. This is amazing. What was going on in your head? Oh my God. When you were interviewing the Diamond. Dia is amazing. She's incredible. Um, I shot this in the pandemic, actually. We did uh, this uh, series on plastic pollution in the pandemic because, you know, mm-hmm. suddenly the ban on plastics had changed and, you know, there was a lot of disposability and, you know, things, things, uh, there was a lot yeah. of plastic pollution because of that. So we did uh, a, a digital series and Dia was uh, one of our guests. Nice. And uh, what was going on in my mind? Nothing. It was a very hardcore plastic conversation. Ah. But um, it was it was a wonderful one. And you can still check it out on our website. I'm going <laughs> to. And this is you. All right. This is from Conscious Effort this year with one, two, three, four, five men. And you're moderating the panel. You know, that is very normal for me. And most of the time, yeah. I am amongst men in my men twice my age in a workspace. I love it. So, <laughs> I don't even look at it from yeah. that uh, prism or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. perspective any longer. So, uh, nothing was going on in my mind. I was being the person that I am, doing my job like I do every day, regardless of whether they are men or how old they are. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and the last one. Has to be from last Sunday. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, my my passion. Sundays are for tennis. Sunday afternoon, you'll only see me uh, playing tennis, whether come come rain, sunshine, heat, or hail, oh, feel anything. You will always find me on the tennis court. So okay, uh, that's from last Sunday. Tennis, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Rachi, we also have Divya in the studio. She has a fun segment planned for you. So we present to you Rapid Fire well, with the <laughs> Look and roll out. Okay, so let's this or that. Okay. Uh, recycle, upcycle. Recycle. Uh, fast fashion, slow fashion. Slow fashion. Uh, so vintage fashion, classic fashion. Classic fashion. What do you think about vintage? I love vintage. Uh, I do have a few vintage pieces, uh, but classic fashion because it can also last to the next few generations too. And you know, uh, you can also wear it every time without feeling because you know vintage has usually has some value to it, and you don't end up wearing it as often. But classic, you can keep repeating and you know keep wearing it and enjoying it on a day to day basis. Now, one plus it inspires Amal Clooney. I really admire and appreciate the work she does. For social justice on a global scale. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much.